The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. I can already tell that you're as excited about Christmas as I am which is a good thing today because I'm excited to preach this Christmas this Christmas uh, Sunday before the actual Christmas day that we celebrate it. So Emmanuel, God with us. If that is not true, if the first Christmas never happened, if it was not actually Jesus as Emmanuel as being God with us, it means that the hundreds of prophecies regarding Jesus were all lies. It means that Isaiah lied, the prophet, when he said, prophesying that, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. It means that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and all the other New Testament writers and all the other even non-scriptural accounts of Jesus were all lies. It means that the most historically accurate document of all time, bestseller of all time, being the Bible, is wrong about the person of Jesus. It means that there is no explanation for creation, for sin, for the afterlife, with the exclusion of evolution, which teaches the scientific impossibility that something came from nothing. It means that there is no Christmas, no rescuer, no hero, no redeemer, and no hope. But church, if it's true that God is with us, somebody say amen. If Emmanuel was there on that first Christmas, it means that the most historically supported person of all time, being Christ, it means that he is who he said he is. It means that Isaiah prophesied correctly. It means that Matthew was telling the truth, that Mark was telling the truth, that Luke and John were telling the truth, and all the New Testament writers were telling the truth, and even the non-scriptural accounts of Jesus' life that they indeed were also telling the truth. It means that the most historically accurate document of all time and bestseller in the history of this world is also correct. It means that we have a good and logical explanation for creation, for sin, and the afterlife. It means that we have Christmas, a rescuer, a hero, a redeemer, and indeed hope. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the promise that is fulfilled on Christmas. Jesus, we love that we can trust you. That you would make a promise of a redeemer, of one that would crush the head of Satan, that, that you fulfilled on Christmas, Lord. It means we can trust you. It means we can believe you because you have been faithful to your word. You've seen it through all together. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name. And we all say together boldly, Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1, the first book in the New Testament, the first chapter, Matthew chapter 1. For those of you joining us online, we want to say welcome to all of you, and boy, I have many conversations throughout the week with many of those of you that are still at home watching online, and I just want to communicate that I love you, and, and I, you already know that from the many conversations that I have with all of you joining us online throughout the week, but 
love you very much, and, and we are looking forward to days when we can all be here in this room together, but we love you very much, and, and welcome also to all of you here today. It's good to see most of you, and Matthew chapter 1, in 1903, the Wright brothers, after many failed attempts, had finally flown with this flying machine that they had made. They were so excited that they sent a telegraph to their sister Catherine, and they said, we have flown 120 feet. See you at Christmas. And she was so excited, she just knew that the local newspaper was going to want to do an article on, on just this one telegraph that she got with this wonderfully exciting news. And so she runs this little telegraph slip down to the local newspaper, and the person working the newspaper office was, was too distracted, was too busy to, to take a moment to actually read the entirety of the text that she had on this little piece of paper. So she bursts in so excited, and she says, look what it is that I got from my brother's. And she, the person looks at the piece of paper, and true story, they look at it and says, oh, nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. Failing to see the wonderful news that man had flown in this flying de device. And, and much in the same way for us, church, if we are distracted by all the things that we celebrate Christmas which, with, which are all wonderful, from Christmas trees and cookies and hot chocolate and, and caroling and all the things that we love and are excited about and the gifts that we give, all the presents that we exchange, all those things, if we, don't, if we don't stop to actually read what's there, we could indeed miss the most important part of this whole season. So in effort to not be like that newspaper worker all those years ago in that office, I invite us now to be in Matthew chapter 1 looking to verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all that was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. If you believe this is God's word, let all God's children say amen. amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning a simple Christmas message titled, God with us, how, why, who. So this first question on the table this morning of the how of God with us. How is it that God chose to be with us? How is it that he chose to be and accomplish the task of Emmanuel, of God with us? How did he do this? Now, it's worth noting here that he could have done it any old way that he decided to do it. He could have come over the land as a military leader with a huge army to crush the Tower of Babel. He could have done it. Jesus absolutely could have come in that way should he have chosen to do that and fulfilled everything that he intended to fulfill. He could have done it. 
He could have come by the water via a boat during the parting of the Red Sea to save the Israelites. He could have done it. He absolutely could have done it. He could have come riding a white horse through the sky against the Roman persecution that the church experienced in the A.D. 40s, 50s, and 60s. He could have come as a B-17 bomber pilot during Hitler's day. He could have come in the form of an influential political leader in our day today. Jesus could have done any one of those things to accomplish this task of being God with us, of being Emmanuel. But that is not how God chose to do it. Look back, if you would, to verse 18, where we read, and it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Everyone say, was as follows with me. Ready, set, go. Was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, I certainly hope that all of us today don't need help interpreting the part of the text here that says before they came together. If you need help with that, come up to me and Abby after the service and we'll explain it. But hopefully we've all got that part of the biblical interpretation down. But this verse perfectly outlines two things. Number one being that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Is that clear to everyone? Everyone say yes if you understand that. That's, that's pretty clear. The second thing that it outlines for us very clearly is that the Holy Spirit was the reason that Mary was pregnant. So if you're taking notes this morning, and I certainly hope you are, either on a tablet, on a notebook, in the margin of your Bible, on the back of a bulletin, or in your phone, or however it is that you take notes so that you can digest God's, words la God's word later and ensure that I'm not up here preaching error, I want you to be taking notes. The how of this God with us, this Emmanuel, the how is the incarnation. Everyone say that word with me. Ready, set, go incarnation this incarnation of mary being the mother of jesus and the holy spirit who is obviously one with god being a father to jesus it made jesus both man and god it made him flesh and spirit it made him the son of man and it made him the son of god jesus felt hunger yet he could also multiply food to satisfy the hunger of others Jesus died himself, but he was able to raise others from the dead. How did he do this? How, how? Because of the incarnation, because of God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He had Mary as a mama and the Holy Spirit, who is one with God the Father, as a father. Now, it has become trendy in our current culture today to question that, to question the doctrine, the understanding of the incarnation. It's very trendy in our world today. And people will say all kinds of things, but the most common thing that people say is, well, it just is too far-fetched. How do we know that Mary and Joseph actually didn't come together and the Holy Spirit just did some kind of special magic thing to somehow make him his? And, and I, would, I would love, I've never had anybody in person tell me this. I've heard of many, even very popular leaders, tell this theology of, well, it was actually not of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's too far-fetched to teach and to preach that there was a virgin that had a baby and all these things. And, and I just think to myself, I'd love to ask a question to someone who actually believes in this kind of thing and ask them like, okay, so you mean to tell me that you, you got past creation, you had no trouble believing creation, and, and then you just had this hiccup when you got to the theology of, of the incarnation, you got past the flood? The worldwide flood, you got past the parting of the Red Sea, you got past Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being kept safe and their clothes not even smelling like smoke through the fire, and you believe all of that, but you just have this hiccup when it comes to the incarnation. That doesn't make any sense to me 
whatsoever. So I would say to you, church, because I love you and I love you dearly, and I love Jesus so much more that we ought to be very, very careful of teachers and preachers that would then question what is so evidently clear and what is so vitally important, as we'll see in a minute, of, of why the incarnation is absolutely vital to our salvation. Watch out for those kinds of people. I think that if Paul the Apostle were alive today, that he would reference them as he did to the Philippian church. Beware of those dogs, the hypocrites, those Pharisees, serpents and brood of vipers. Beware of those people who would then question things that are absolutely vital and so perfectly clear if someone says they believe all the other things of scripture but they get to the incarnation of christ that who it is that jesus is and what it is that he came to do i'm convinced that very likely that person probably does not know the lord they don't have faith to trust in these things and it's it's trendy in our world so watch out for it be careful of it the verse that we've already read twice which we'll read three times it says now the birth of jesus was as follows after his mother mary was betrothed to joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. If you believe that, look to your neighbor and say, I believe it. So that's the how of the incarnation of Emmanuel. What about the why? Look to verse 19 as we continue on. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Everyone say the word sins. The why of Emmanuel, of God with us, the why of Christmas, you could say is sin it's the reason for it and this is why church hear me this is why the virgin birth is so vitally important to our salvation because if mary wasn't a virgin and joseph and mary did come together before that first christmas before mary gave birth to the son of god but if if, if mary wasn't a virgin then jesus is not god if jesus is not god he can't do anything about our sin that's why it's absolutely vital that we understand Scripture and its clarity, the perfect clarity that it teaches, and we believe it with faith. 1 John 1, 9. It's a great verse to memorize, and a number of the students here this morning have memorized it during our Wednesday night ministry. This verse says, 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He, everyone say He, He, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that verse doesn't say? And you already know what it doesn't say because I just read to you what it does say. What it doesn't say is that if we confess our sins, Ben Schwierman is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I mean, that just sounds stupid, right? I mean, that's just... You know what else it doesn't say? It doesn't say, it doesn't say that if we confess our sins to the Pope, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say that. And just because people like to idolize political things in our world today, I'll just throw this in there too. What it also doesn't say is if we confess our sins, Mike DeWine is faithful and just. Praise the Lord. <laughs> faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It, it, it doesn't say those things. It's been said before, and I don't know who said this, but I've heard it said before, that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. 
But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Amen. So, the why of God with us, the why of Emmanuel, the, the why of this first Christmas that we're now celebrating all these years later is because the situation called for it. The sin that you and I had, the issue of sin that you and I had called for this incarnate man and God to come on behalf of us and to take care of this issue that we couldn't take care of on ourselves. There's no man on the face of the planet ever has been or is now or ever will be that will be able to fulfill what it is that Jesus has done. It called for something greater. If you had a chain on the door of your shed where you kept your mowers and tools and all those kinds of things and you either forgot the combination or lost the key to that lock and you had a chain on it and you've got this problem that needs solved. If your neighbor comes out, they see you struggling with this issue that you have and they come out and say, here, cut it with this and they hand you a pair of scissors. You'd look at them and be like, Mo, you hit, you hit every limb when you fell out of the stupid tree. Like, what? This doesn't help my problem. I've got a chain, and, it's, and, and, and this, this chain, this problem, the blade isn't strong enough to cut through the chain. There's not enough leverage on it. it. It doesn't suit the bill for what needs to happen here. What you need is not a pair of scissors. What you need is a pair of bolt cutters. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a pair of bolt cutters. It's got, they have blades that are stronger than the material that you're cutting through. They've got long handles and a leverage that the scissors don't have. So if you haven't been able to catch on to this illustration just yet, the problem of sin that we have, this problem chain of sin that we have, it needs something more than a, what a good, well-behaving human can offer. It's like clacking a pair of scissors against a chain, trying to think that we can get to God that way. No, this problem is far greater. And we need one that's not like us. We need one who's man and God. We need one who's the son of Mary and also the son of the Holy Spirit, God's son himself. That's what we need. Has leverage that we don't have. Has strength that we don't have. Can do things with this sin problem, with this chain that we as little pitiful scissors just can't do. And this is why, church, Christmas moves me. It moves my heart. I was just talking to Abby in the kitchen the other day. We were just, I was preaching to Abby. Sometimes I just preach to Daisy and Abby, and they're probably sick of it by now. But, but I'm in our tiny little apartment, and I'm preaching to them, and, and, and I'm just like, man, what a story. What an amazing story of Christmas. Like, to me, it's just laughable that anyone could ever say, oh, well, yeah, Christians just make up that story. It's like, really? You would come up with a story of a baby being the greatest hero of all mankind? Like, like no one would ever, 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 ever come up with that story. The story of Christmas, the story of redemption, the story of this God coming to save us from our sins. No one would ever come up with that story. You can't make that up. It's God's design, and it's God's design that started in Genesis chapter 3. Most people think that the Christmas story is found in Luke chapter 2, in Isaiah, I think it's 55 and 57, and, and Matthew chapter 1, which we're in today. No, it started in Genesis 3, when the devil entered the garden, deceived mankind, and man sinned against God, and the curse of sin infected man, infected its, their man's bodies and the earth and all the things that we're suffering with today. And God is there and he looks at the devil and says, There's, I'm going to put enmity between you and, and, and humans. You're going to bruise their heel. You're going to bruise their heel with cancer, coronavirus, 
You're going to bruise their heel with all the struggles that you have in broken relationships. There's going to be this infection in the world that you're going to bruise the heel of them of, but there's coming one who will not bruise your heel, but bruise and crush your head. The promise of Christmas was made in Genesis chapter 3. So what a story. What a sweet story that the problem of sin was. And Jesus and God says, yeah, here's the problem. The bolt cutters are going to be coming on that first Christmas. If you believe it, say yes. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, it says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. His indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Say that verse with me. Ready, it go. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Say it one more time. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You just memorized a verse this morning. That's, that's worth it alone right there. So that's the how and the why of God with us, Emmanuel, if you're ready for the who of God with us, then I invite you to look to verse 22, where it says, it says, So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth, forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So, last point this morning. The who of God with us, the who of Emmanuel? Jesus. Did you know that for decades, for a long, long time, it was said by secular archaeologists, there's no such thing as the Hittite people. They don't exist. Can't find anything of their ruins, can't find anything of the cities they built. No such thing as the Hittite people. The Christians for all those years said, yes, they're, they're at, there must be such a people as the Hittite people because the Bible talks of them multiple times, numerous times that the Bible mentions the Hittite people. To which the secular archaeologists would say, no, there's no way. Therefore, the Bible must be wrong. Because by now we would have found remains of the Hittite people and where their city was and their customs and all of these things. The Bible certainly is not true. It's made up because there's no such thing as the Hittite people and the Bible talks about these Hittite people. And after the years wore on, the, the tares among the Christians, the people who are not actually believers that looked much like believers then began to say, well, perhaps the, the archaeologists and the scientists are correct. Perhaps the Bible is wrong. And then the reply of the faithful believers were, no, even if we never find the remains of the Hittites, I still believe that there were Hittite people because God's word says it. I, I believe that, that there were such a people as the Hittite people. And did you know, dear friends, this morning that it was not too terribly long ago when an archaeological dig was found? And you know what they found? The Hittite people. Church, this book, this most historically accurate document blowing all others out of the water by far, the best-selling book of all time, it tells us that the who of Christmas, the, the who of God with us, the who of Emmanuel, was Jesus and is Jesus. Not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Buddha or anything else. It is indeed Jesus. If you're excited to celebrate Jesus this Christmas, say amen. amen. 
So you say, well, Pastor Ben, of, of course it's Jesus. I mean, that's the reason we're all here church. We're faithful believers together. Of course, this, you know, obviously it's Jesus. But what I encourage you to remember as you go through this Christmas season and very likely fellowshipping with other family and friends that may or may not know Jesus, remember, remember what they're missing in their life. Remember that they may not have any understanding that, that the who of this Emmanuel is Jesus and Jesus alone. The, the understanding of our world today is that God with us is any God that you want to worship or any God of history that you think suits your needs and what your desires are. That is not the case. The who of, Jesus, of, of Christmas is Jesus and Him only. There was a man who took some large boxes and he decorated them as Christmas gifts, large Christmas gifts, and he just set them out on his front porch as Christmas decorations. Put, they're very elaborate. They look just like big, well-decorated Christmas presents that somebody would sit up next to the tree because they were so large. And in today's world, we would call them porch pirates. They run around and steal everyone's Amazon boxes. But this man who was a porch pirate, he sees driving down the road and he sees these presents. And he thought that there was something inside of them. So he, he parks his car real quick, runs up to the front door, grabs them, and he takes them home. And as he's taking them home, he realizes that they're kind of light. Once he finally gets them home, he opens them up to realize that there's nothing in them. These large boxes that were very well elaborate, decorated, looked just like somebody taken that's very good at wrapping presents. I'm not, but somebody that had taken a lot of time to make sure these gifts just look just perfect and he opened them up and there's nothing inside my dear friends there are going to be a plethora of people that we will probably interact with this christmas that i know we will interact with as we move forward into history that that they that they've got the christmas swag on the outside they've got the holly jolly and then they, maybe they're even going christmas caroling with you and and they've got all these christmas things they all look the same as we're moving forward together this sanctuary is probably going to have a number of these kinds of people on Christmas Eve. We probably have some of those folks right now that they, they look just like everyone else, but you open up on the inside and, and you don't see the who of Christmas. You don't see Jesus. You see all kinds of other things. Sometimes in some people you will see Buddha and other Eastern religions. In America today, you see all kind, whatever the popular modern day golden calf is that people are worshiping lately, you'll see inside of most people if you take time to look inside of someone's heart, just to look past the outside of, of what they are decorated as. So forget not church. As we go through joyfully, and sometimes it's easy for us as a church that's been blessed of God. I mean, it's just, it's been crazy how God is growing the church and people are getting saved and baptized. And I mean, it's just the working of God in this church has been scary, humbling for me scary humbling for me and things are going so well it's easy for me to forget that it's like okay like there is actually loss i'm still actually even though the lord is bringing these people and they're getting saved in the church i still have to be obedient to the great commission i still have to go out and, and preach and teach god's word to teach them all the things that jesus commanded people i like and people i dislike people that i see on the street people that i interact with in the restaurant people that are out there that they, they, they look the same but inside do they have this god with us do they have the who of Emmanuel in them so let us not forget that church and I am thankful this morning that that God by his Holy Spirit has drawn you he's drawn me not not to forget these things not to be empty shells of nothingness but but to remember the who of Christmas to remember the why that it was our sin it was that that was the reason that was the purpose we couldn't cut it on our own you know and he came and 
and did that on our behalf. And, and the Lord has been so gracious and by His strong Holy Spirit drawing us and drawing people. And we're seeing a work of God in this church that is just so special and so sweet and so amazing. And, uh, and, and this morning, we're actually going to be baptizing someone this morning. So, um, Tessa, where are you at? Come on up. I'm going to have you, just, you can come right around this way, and we'll have you go around this way. Um, Tessa and Josiah are some, are, I think, are, are most newlyweds in the church. We've had a number of them this past year, but I think they're the newest for us. And uh, so they've just recently been married. And like all of us, they have a story and a background. And go ahead and turn around and have a seat right there. But as far as I understand the story, and I could spare all the details, but um, as far as I understand it, before they got married, it was Tessa who said, we're, we're going to build this marriage on Jesus, and we're going to church. <laughs> so I appreciate her tenacity in that, and that she is taking this faithful step in baptism. She, like many of us, have had an understanding of the gospel, an understanding of Christ, but is now seeing things for clarity that she has never seen before, and is following in obedience and this water baptism, this New Testament ordinance that the Lord Jesus Christ himself gave us. And there are many of us this morning that fit this bill. You've been around church, you know some things about Jesus, but you're coming to an understanding that you never have before. And you're realizing perhaps for the first time ever that, that God is your substitution. If it wasn't him on that cross, it was going to be you. And I, I pray, Tessa, that, that your baptism this morning would be an encouragement to the church of the many people that need to take this faithful, obedient step. Uh, because... Usually, if someone is willing to be obedient in this phase, they'll be obedient in anything else in life. And usually, if someone is disobedient in baptism, they're usually disobedient in other areas. So, so let her good conduct and obedience uh, not be something that gives you a big head, but you're a humble person, so I don't think it will. But be something that encourages the church. Amen? All right. Uh, Brian and KJ, we can go ahead and come as, as we get ready here. Um, Tessa, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Do you believe that he is the only Savior? Yes. Do you trust him for your salvation and him only? Yes. Do you believe that if it wasn't for what Jesus did, that it would be another sacrifice that you would have to make? Do you believe that? Amen. Then we're going to baptize you. And it's as your brother in the faith, it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Stand with me as we sing and worship. This altar is open. I hope that you would come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's worship and sing together. Amen. 